This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today... Well, today I am delighted to welcome Thomas Elms to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thomas stars in SkyMed, the action-packed dramatic series about the up-and-coming pilots and nurses who power an air ambulance service. SkyMed hit CBC Gem and Paramount Plus earliest this month, and it immediately got people buzzing all over the socials. Hashtag SkyMed Summer. Thomas is Novak, a calm collected, fiercely loyal, and icy cool pilot. Novak is all about his career. He broke with his disapproving Polish parents in order to make his pilot dreams come true. And he doesn't have much bandwidth for anything else until he starts flying with a flirty nurse named Tristan. And look, I've, I've said enough. All nine episodes of SkyMed's highly acclaimed first season can be found on CBC Gem in Canada and Paramount Plus in the States and also Sunday nights on CBC television. But I will say that Novak is another media role on an addictive show for an actor who seems to specialize in media roles on addictive shows. Which brings me to another media role in his filmography for a show that has been discussed at length on this very podcast because I love it so damn much, that of Hamish on The Order. Yesterday, I emailed with my pal, Dennis Heaton, showrunner of The Order and the upcoming series, The Imperfects, and asked him to reflect on Thomas's work on the show. Now, I'm going to do my best Dennis Heaton impression, Jesus Christ, as I read his reply. I don't know how to do a Dennis Heaton impression. Let's, let's, just, let's just try. <clears throat> Hamish was originally conceived as a stoic by the book leader, but that doesn't sound like Dennis at all. I'm just going to keep going. But Thomas added a playfulness to the character that not only meshed with the by the book attitude, but accentuated it. He took a character trait that could be handled as the straight person for the other characters to riff jokes off and made it a comedic trait in and of itself. No small task. When we hooked him up with Vera in season two, he added even more nuance to the character. And it was a no-brainer for me to end the season with a feeling that Hamish was shifting over to the other team. Tell him I said hi and that he should text me so we can grab dinner. Include this in the podcast. So that's enough, Dennis Heaton. Today we're going to get to know this thoughtful and exciting actor with a penchant for nuance who is now soaring the northern skies in SkyMed. Yes, I do puns. Thomas, I am a walking dad joke. And we're going to figure out where Novak and Hamish end and where Thomas begins. 
Thomas Elms, welcome to the Why Vera Screen Scene podcast. Oh my goodness. I mean, I've done a few of these now since Skymet has been out, and that is the most exceptional introduction I have ever heard. Um, thank you. I feel quite welcome right now. I'm, I'm glad. I'm sorry that my Dennis Heaton didn't actually sound oh, okay. like, but who sounds like Dennis Heaton besides Dennis Heaton? You know, um, uh, probably some ancient dwarven king, I would imagine, is the only person I could possibly like equate to just that amount of gravitas. And yeah. And then his laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Like he's he <laughs>, laughs like he's got that laugh. Yeah. We love you, Dennis. I know that he's listening to this. Oh, right man. Now. Uh, yeah. Like big ups to Dennis Heaton. I mean, he's the he's the reason, you know, that the order exists in the first place. Like he's the mastermind behind all that great stuff. And, and man, I, I, I owe that man the world. And. I miss you, Dennis. You know, we'll definitely grab dinner soon. Um, back in town now. Uh, it's nice to be back on the West Coast and nice to kind of think about the order a little bit there. Thanks, Sabrina. That was nice. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> I guess, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, you know what? Let's start with this moment then. How would you describe this particular moment in the life and career of Thomas Elms? That's you. Um, this moment is quite interesting and it's definitely the first time I've ever, um, one, I think had this much work. Like I've, I've just come off like almost eight months, um, of work on SkyMed, and, and I, I, we wrapped boys in the boat, uh, about a month, month and a half ago. It's yeah. We didn't even talk about, I didn't even mention um, boys in the boat, which is a huge yeah. ass deal with some huge <laughs> ass, big, bold names attached to it. Can you get, can you give my listeners the rundown about boys in the right, boat? Right. Right. Well, uh, it's, um, the boat is a, is a story about the 1936 Olympic rowing team. Uh, and there's been a lot published about that story already. Uh, there's a fantastic book, uh, that is a, a, a biographical account of, of the lives of the, uh, the young men um, who were living in Seattle during the Great Depression. And they went on to win gold uh, at the Olympics. Uh, it's a complete underdog story. And it's still, you know, a real big piece of American sports history. So for me, it was a real kind of, it was definitely the experience of a lifetime getting to work on that project. I mean, you know, for five months, you know, I've never worked on anything for that period of time. And I got to fall in love with um, this beautiful sport and this art of rowing and, and, you know, me and eight other complete novice actors who'd never been in a rowboat in our lives. Hmm. All of a sudden, you know, we kind of, we, we were basically trying to tell this story about, you know, one of the greatest rowing teams to ever walk the face of the earth. So it was like, you know, no pressure or anything, but um, <laughs> it was an amazing experience. And, you know, the, the script itself, the movie script had sort of been fought over for, for a while. And then, um, uh, George Clooney was able to get his hands on it and, uh, him and Grant, uh, they're just a total powerhouse tag team. Grant Heslov, um, famous yeah. BFFs. I love yeah, those exactly. BFFs. Yeah, it was such an honor to work with. I mean, they really, you can tell they've just got a lifelong friendship and it just translates so well to working on a film together. Um, I, like it was the job of a lifetime, definitely. And, you know, so was SkyMed, you know, you, you, I guess you asked how, I would describe this or whatever, but for me, it's just, it's a surreal experience because I've just had so much work uh, in the past like year and it's just been so wonderful. Um, you know, the past three years have been not that, you know, there's, you know, it's, uh, I, there hasn't, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to work, you know, in acting again, you know, a couple of mm -hmm. years ago and, and it wasn't looking good for a bit. And, you know, it, um, 
you know, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a blessing to just get to do what I love and, you know, get paid for it and get to basically become family, you know, like really at the end of boys in the boat, we were all a family, you know, and, and those guys were my brothers, you know, we'd been on a sports team for five months and we, we, you know, sweat, bled and cried and all everything, all the, everything else, you know, like in between, um, just trying to, you know, uh, elevate each other and kind of it, like, it was a scary thing and it kind of felt like an impossible task for a lot of the time. Cause you realize like how difficult it is to, to row in a boat and then times that by eight dudes who've mm. never done it before. And you're also trying to, you know, look and move like one of the greatest, you know, teams ever, you know, and you're trying to do it all in like less than five months. You know? So it, yeah. While George it, it was, Clooney is looking at you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, time is money, especially in film. Right. And, and yeah. so all those guys, I think everyone was feeling a massive amount of pressure and expectation, but like everyone really gave every part of themselves to that project, you know, not just the actors, but you know, the, like the creative team, costumes, hair, makeup, like that, you know, they, they clothed and dressed and styled, you know, 600 people to look like the 1930s, you know, for these massive rowing regattas. And, oh, it's just going to be, I really, really hope that the movie captures the the spirit and the feeling of what it's like to row in a boat at that speed with that, you know, with, with that kind of, it's amazing. Like I've never, I've played sports. I like solo sports, you know, myself, because I don't really have to rely on other people. But when you're mm. in that boat, you have to, have to, have to all give it everything you got and you can't really there's no option to quit you know Mm. and so there were some experiences you know where we would just be rowing you know quite well actually by the end of it like we became a pretty half decent crew and we actually gained I think the respect of the other you know rowers out there who weren't actors who were just there to be rowers in, in a film about rowing and it was a really special feeling to kind of have progressed like that and like I said, you know, those guys were really became my family by the end of it. And, and it was just such a special experience, not only to work on that movie, you know, which is, I hope, going to be an amazing movie because, you know, like it was cool, I think, to work with George Clooney because he's like, he's like classic, he's like classic movie. You know, he's like from the golden age of Hollywood, you know. Oh, yeah. and, and, and I mean, so, he is from that royalty, like that family yeah, as well, yeah. you know, like he's, he is, uh, mm-hmm following in his, their footsteps. And yeah, he's a, he's a movie star. So what did you learn about movie stars, you know, by observing him in action, you know, like, or like, did it challenge your idea of what it means to be a, you know, capital M, capital S movie star? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's a really interesting question. And I mean, so I got to have a talk on Zoom with Grant and George um, back in, I think October and it was actually midway through filming SkyMed. So mm-hmm. it came just completely out of left field and just blindsided me because I'd, I'd done a tape and auditioned for boys in the boat back in July of last year, around the same time I auditioned for SkyMed. And so like I was, I was getting a lot of job opportunities and, you know, in, in rapid succession now that COVID had kind of like that, you know, the industry was starting to, you know, resurrect a little bit and jobs were coming back and everyone was hungry to work. And, you know, it was in a short, maybe month, two month period where I really just felt so just on the ball. Like I I really felt like mentally and emotionally and physically just in good health, you know, and I think that really allowed me to put some good work on camera, work that I was proud of and work that felt fun and 
for the first time, like not, you know, it, I really leveled up, I think in, in a short while, you know, and partly I think it was because of all the crap that, you know, everyone and myself went through during the, you know, two years where, you know, COVID really hit, a, hit us hard. And so, you know, I, I really was proud of the, the work that I put on tape when I was auditioning for SkyMed and likewise Boys in the Boat. Like the, those two auditions happened in like a two week span. And then in October of the same year when I was working on SkyMed, I got an email saying that I was going to have a callback for the Boys in the Boat and I was going to have a conversation with George Clooney and Grant Heslov. And it was like, whoa, and it's going to happen next week. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I read the script. They sent me the script and I read it again a couple hours before we had that conversation. And like, it was just like, I, um, you know, I read the script. I could not going to lie. I got pretty emotional. I, I cried towards the end of it. And I was mm. like, wow, this is a really special thing. Like if I get this feeling, just reading the script, like, whoa, this could be something really amazing. And I was just feeling on such a high working on SkyMed because that whole team, like, you know, Natasha, Ace, Morgan, Keon, like they also became, you know, my family. And we really, 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 like elevated each other to, you know, really just bring our best selves to work every day. And I was in such a good place working on SkyMed that I really think that I just brought that confidence and that positivity and that, you know, eagerness uh, to that conversation with, with uh, Clooney and, and Grant. And, and basically it was like, it was, it wasn't an audition, which was kind of crazy, you know, like the tape that I submitted, they said was enough, but they really just needed to ask me like, look, are you physically going to be up to this? Cause you're going to be in this boat, you know, for like eight hours a day. And also you guys need to look like, you know, one of the best teams ever. So, you know, we're not concerned about your acting, but we want to know, are you up to this? Like, are you going to be able to, to handle this? What, what, what's, you know, we're going to ask of you. And it was tough and it was really tough. And there were some days where honestly, I was like, I am so done with this. I, I like, I'm done. I can't, I don't think I can do this for another day. Mm. But then, you know, obviously at the same time, there's a bit of like, you know, guilt associated with that. Cause it's like, wow, I'm literally on the job of my life right now. I'm getting mm. paid to be on a sports team and learn this beautiful art of rowing, you know, in order to work on this beautiful film, you know, that's a piece of history. And like, that's such an incredible privilege you know uh, so so are you, know, you a, like, do you consider yourself a rower now like is this like <laughs> now that you have like you've you've done the training and you lived in that space for as long as you did like <laughs> are you a rower i don't know i don't know if i'd call myself a rower but i think um i can i i, I mean i'm not a bad rower no i'm not a bad rower like uh what's cool about the movie is we learned that none of us were actually sitting in the seats that we would like if we were on a rowing team, me and the cast of the boys in the boat, none of us would be sitting in the spots that we were sitting during the film hmm. because our bodies are different. You know, coaches would put us at different places. So we were all kind of rowing in uh, an unfavorable position in our seats, but we just had to make that work. And there was just so much adversity that kept being thrown at us throughout that filming process. Like we showed up and we were practicing in like, you know, sixth generation hand-me-down fiberglass boats from, you know, the, the local boys school on the Thames where we were training for, you know, two months before filming started. And then, you know, the, the production gave us these, these Wait, boats, on the these, Thames. So this is like yeah, Henley yeah, I mean, regatta, like. For... No, 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 it wasn't quite that fancy. We did get to go to Henley one time and row on the river and, and we filmed there. It was, it was such an incredible experience because, you know, everyone was, everyone was in these beautiful like period costumes and there's these pleasure boats out on the water with, with, you know, background actors on them. And, 
there's like, you know, 400 people out on this hot, beautiful day. And George Clooney's just in the center of everything, just commanding everybody, you know. And what I really think I learned about Clooney and, and, and Grant was that, you know, um, just how... I don't know. Like, I think, I think, you know, there were some things that were going on in their personal lives that certainly could have affected, you know, them, but I never for a second thought that they allowed that to, you know, they always only ever brought their best selves to set mm. and to work and to be in a leadership position like that, to have everybody kind of like, you know, they they were the people that really set the tone for the workplace and set the rhythm and the the speed and it was always with a sense of humor it always moved quickly and you always got the sense that nothing was uh nothing was being shot that wasn't actually going to be used you know so there no it never felt like we were wasting time you know even though there were some like really long days and it was it was tough like we were out on that water you know sometimes like you know six eight hours you know filming and you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable wooden boat, you know, and it's not like, you know, you can just get off and, you know, you're, you're in it. And it, you know, like it's, it's like thousands of dollars a minute and you're trying to shoot a movie with like 20 boats on a, on a body of water and everyone's bobbing around and getting blown by the wind. And wow. you're trying to line up the cameras just for this one perfect shot. And there's drones flying around us and like eight other rowing boats with all like college level British rowers who are there playing, you know, the Italian team or the, you know, the, the California squad. And it, it was just such an incredible experience. Like, you know, it was wild. And I really hope that we captured the feeling of, of what it's like to row at that speed. And partly I think it's because of the technology that we had, like the shots that we're going to, that I saw, you know, once I, when I, when I got to see some of the footage was, really spectacular and so <clears throat> excuse me yeah i think it's um if we can at all like capture that essence and make a movie about rowing like that I, you know i think it's going to be a special one wow i don't think anyone's ever really ever really made a movie about rowing you know like that you know yeah. that, that quite captures that essence thomas how the hell did we get here Oh my you know, goodness, well, I, I, I think I've just been talking for the past 30 minutes. Is, what um, I think is going on. And I love it. We let uh, that is, I mean, we are a, an interview podcast. We'd rather that you talk than not. No, I'm talking about I mean, fear. you gave such a, such a monologue at the beginning. I couldn't really like, you know, I got to, <laughs> I got to at least match you. Yeah, you know that's, I mean? that's what we do on this show is just competing monologues. Now, I want to go back in time <laughs> a bit. I want to know like what kind of a, what kind of a kid you were and what did you want to be when you grew up? Like bring us back to a time, maybe a moment in your childhood that gives us a glimpse to this mustachioed man. Listeners, he has a giant mustache, which we did spend at least five minutes talking about before we, before we started recording. Um, you know, get, give us a glimpse into the mustachioed actor, you know, that you are today. It looks well, great. I'm not making fun. No, 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 not at all. Uh, and as a mustachioed child, I think, um, <laughs> um, well, what can I say? I think I honestly just, honestly, sometimes it feels like I just fell into, fell into this, you know, like I, I accidentally kind of was fumbling for a light kind of, and I, I just found my way into acting and it was sort of, you know, it, it oh, man, I mean, I don't know how far back in my childhood I need to go to really like, I don't really feel like there was anything leading me here. You know, if, if only that, like I've all, 
I don't know what else I would be doing, to be honest. Hmm. Like, like if I wasn't acting right now, I don't know what I would be doing. I, I like this has been the best thing to ever happen to my life, you know, and, and, and going to school for acting, I think was an accident, honestly. Like I was, you know, I remember being in university and, you know, I was, I was okay in school and I knew how to, you know, I knew what I was good at and I knew how to avoid the things I wasn't good at. And I, you know, I was able to make it to university, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And at a certain point, like no one really cares about you anymore, you know, and if you want to, you can just kind of disappear, you know, or waste away or it's, it's entirely easy. You realize that as the world kind of opens up and I just somehow stumbled into theater. Like I'd always been like a, a, like a, a bit of a theater geek, like in high school, it was a place where I felt like I could belong and I could make people laugh and, you know, I could get good grades just for entertaining people. And um, that was something that I always sort of liked to do. I think, I think I've always had a, uh, like a, an imaginative life. Um, and I think a, a, now that I'm, you know, more of a competent actor, I, I recognize that imagination is almost like a muscle, you know, it's something that you need to train and it's something that can really, really help your, your acting, your acting career. You know, oh. you, I think actors need to have strong imaginative lives and an imaginative muscle. I've never actually heard imagination described that way. You know, yeah, that's something I mean, that you need to like, you need to flex and use it or you, yeah, or you yeah, use, yeah. lose I it. I think definitely, yeah. I think definitely because, you know, I look at acting a lot these days more as like a craft that you can practice and get better at versus like this art form that's kind of woo-woo and nebulous and hard to understand. Like acting was that for a long time for me. Like I, I remember being in uh, theater school, you know, shout out to University of British Columbia theater film program. I mean, those guys those three years were the best, you know, thing to ever happen in my life, you know, going to that program and getting that training and going to school for acting, you know, I fell in love with it. You know, I found something that I realized that I could work on for the rest of my life and I could never perfect it, but I could always, always do better. And it could just feel me for the rest of my life. And so that was great to kind of feel like I'd found a purpose. And, you know, I liked acting. I was full of like artistic ideas because I was in a university and you know I was meeting other people you know who had you know interesting ideas and it's kind of that nice cross-pollination and I think it's why people should go to school you know like I don't think that necessarily you need to go to school to become an actor like I know incredible mm -hmm. actors who've never gone to school you know and they work all the time in television and film and they you know, like uh, Sam Strike, he became my real buddy. And, you know, he was on the boys in the boat with me. Him and I were bowmen. So he would sit right behind me, you know. And so we were basically just those kids in the back of the class, always bullshitting, never listening mm -hmm. to the teacher and kind of just having our own our own uh, thing going on. But, you know, him and I were having this talk at the end of filming. We were walking through Hyde Park and it was the last time I was going to see everybody. I was about to get on a plane back to Vancouver. And we were just talking about, you know, how I'd been through this kind of uh, more classical, I guess, like I'd gone to theater school, you know, and I liked Shakespeare and I did some, I'd done plays and I'd done a lot of acting class after university, you know, like, you know, once I did those three years, I didn't know anything about acting for TV and film, you know, I just mm. liked it and I knew I wanted to do it. And I'd done some theater and I had some natural ability I knew for acting, you know, I could kind of make people laugh, but I wanted to do serious stuff. And, you know, you like, I kind of felt like I had a chance to, to make it happen, but I was never, ever, ever in my life like, oh, you know, I know for a, I know, I know, you know, 
some people like, you know, know from a young age that they want to be actors or yeah. they want to be scientists or stuff. Me, it was never like that. I, it was always sort of just kind of floating around and kind of, I guess, gravitating towards stuff that made me feel good, I suppose, you know, and, and in a way, you know, acting is like just another high, you know, hmm. for me, it's like a rush, you know, it's like the newness of it is so incredible. You know, I get to go to new places and, you know, develop this family, this incredible bond with people that you do when you're working on something and collaborating with someone like you make, you make friends with the crew and, and, and the, your director and the writers and your fellow actors and, you really become family and it's like you're living on a different planet for a few months with people. And then, you know, you, you say goodbye and it's kind of weird because some people you might not see again, some people are fast friends. And it's mm. like, for me, I think I, I really kind of need that in my life. You know, I, I tend to stagnate, I think. And, and I was stagnating, I think in a long time for a long time before I really found, you know, something like I loved, you know, that I could love like acting. And mm. once acting started to get a bit stale and I wasn't really working and the pandemic hit and I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get a job in acting again, I thought maybe the order was like my one flash in the pan and, mm. you know, that was it. And, you know, it was okay, but, you know, I could have done a lot better. I was so young and inexperienced. I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, you get all these weird existential thoughts going on and then you know, really, I think what saved my life was was uh, physical exercise and martial arts, honestly, um, just huh. during those like couple years during COVID where I couldn't act. And I was just so mentally unwell. I was so like, I was just really, really, really in a, in a deep trench. And I couldn't get out. And I couldn't imagine getting myself out and acting wasn't going to rescue me and, you know, take me away to some fantasy land for a few months where everything's cool. And, hmm. you know, I didn't have that escape. And so I really just like, you know, martial arts and practicing Muay Thai every day gave me like two hours, three hours where I didn't have to feel anything and I could just practice something and I could just get better at it and I could focus on that and I could focus on my breath and I would just feel like the weight of my body on the earth and and all those things I think made me such a better actor than all those years of going to school for theater. It's so weird because I owe so much to my theater training and like all my teachers, like my voice teacher, Gail Murphy, my movement teacher, um, Kathy and Stephen Heatley, head of the UBC theater film department. Shout out to the, Tom Schulte, who, who's the man who's responsible for, you know, getting me interested in film in the first place. Like, I'm such a fan of Tom's. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, do, you know, in, in all of your training, you know, I, I know that a lot of training and, and, you know, acting training specifically is about, you know, inner life and acting and images and stuff. Right, right, right. Um, but w was there discussion at all about how to navigate through the low moments or about mental, mm -hmm. mental health, you know, cause I mean, we've, I've done 230 episodes of the show and honestly, we've spent a lot of time talking about the impact that being in this business can have on mental health and like I'm just wondering like are we having the right conversations in tr the training the education aspect when people are entering the industry about mental health and stuff you know so that we can at least lay a good foundation like we lay a good foundation for all the all the other stuff that's part of you know the craft of acting what do you think that's a really good question um... I try to have at least one you know that <laughs> might be the one well, I, 
I, I'm still struggling to give a good answer here, but uh, so you're you're one for zero. Um, but uh, I think I mean I remember my teacher Stephen Malloy at UBC in my first year of acting. He told us like, you know, okay, you're going to graduate this program, right? And you're going to go out into the world and you're going to be at a party or something, and you're going to meet some people, and they're going to say, oh, what do you do? Because mm. that's the thing that adults and grownups ask each other they say oh what do you do and you're going to tell them you're going to say oh well i'm an actor and they're going to ask you the next question is going to be oh well what have you done i haven't what seen, have you, I in seen you in right 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 <laughs> and so you need to be prepared yourself for that question because it's going to happen mm. and you need to be you know like <laughs> and he's right <laughs> and it does happen and yeah. it's you know sometimes the answer is some, you know something and sometimes the answer is like sometimes you just rather not be asked at all you yeah. know and that's the kind of reality of i think this industry it's like kind of messed up in a way when you think about it like some actors who you know deserve all the success you know don't get it mm. whereas sometimes you see people with massive amounts of success and you just can't figure out why what it is about them that you know, warrants that, you know, it's, it's a weird one. So as much as you may work hard for it or deserve it or feel like you deserve it, or, you know, like my coach, Jessica says this all the time and I love it, but she says, you know, everyone, no one deserves anything, Thomas, and everyone deserves everything. You know what I mean? Like everyone has deserves the chance to, to be on TV and live their dreams. But mm. the reality is like, n not all of us get to like, yeah. and like as and I, I'm not I honestly swear to God I'm not trying to like dissuade anyone from pursuing this you know and I'm not trying to just like hog all the work to myself or anything like that when I say this but I you know I, I've you know I honestly if you don't need to do this like if you don't if there isn't something inside of you that says I need to I need to be an actor or I need to be a writer or like I would honestly okay we're focusing on acting so let me just focus on acting but like if you don't have that inner thing that says I have to do this, then I would strongly suggest that you should find something else Anything to else. focus your life on because acting is going to reveal a lot of things to you that maybe you don't want to see about yourself. Mm. It's going to make you resent a lot of things about you, your personality, the way you look. Why don't I look like such and such? Why don't I sound like such and such? You know, like, like comparison is, totally the thief of joy and it's a big problem mm. i think today and like social media and the way we view ourselves and the others in the world and it all kind of feels like one big popularity contest sometimes <laughs> so the question becomes like where does art fit into that you know what i mean because mm -hmm. i graduated from theater school with all these ideas about plays and shakespeare and chekhov and you know art you know you want to make cool stuff and get paid for it you know that's the dream yeah. but then you start working in tv and film and you realize that a lot of it is just kind of cookie cutter stuff it's already you know for an audience that knows what they want you're kind of just making someone a cheese sandwich you know what i mean sure it's got to be a five-star cheese sandwich <laughs> i'm not saying that this stuff is easy yeah obviously man but, um, you've touched on so many things that just excite me in talking to actors. You talked about success and you've talked about joy. So I guess what I'm going to ask you then is, what is your idea of success as, as an actor? How has that changed since the beginning of your career? 
And what role does joy play in your work? Wow. Did you know we were going to be having these kind of big, <laughs> dealing with these kind two. of big questions? Don't not worry. And listeners, bit. we're going to be talking about Hamish. We're going to be talking about Novak. Oh, hell no. See, that's what you no. have to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I prefer, I prefer it that way. Don't worry. We're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, how hot <laughs> Tristan is and all this kind of stuff a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I, we, we, I want to talk about this because, you know, it's also, this is what I find as exciting if not even more exciting than what I see play out on screen is the story behind the story, you know, and what the actor brings to the set. I mean, that is, that is just as exciting to me, you know, as, as, you know, the words that Dennis Heaton has written down on the page, for example. <laughs> Love you, Dennis. Those were some great words though, Dennis. Thanks. The best I words. I threw so many things at my screen for both of those seasons of the order. He's probably makes me, more furious than any writer in the business so yeah and i think he loves that yeah he fucking loves it <laughs> all right so success and joy and we love you dennis eaton so talk to me about success and joy i think um you know something that oh man that's a tough question for some reason, I keep thinking of my, my friend, Matt, who was kind of like a, an older brother to me in, in theater school when I was, you know, kind of just kind of getting my wings, so to speak. Um, I always idolized him because he was, you know, he was a cool guy. He was handsome and dashing and all that stuff, charismatic. And But he really always had just an idea of what he wanted to do with his life and in a way that he wanted to give back to people. And he wanted to take the success and, and, the, and the money that he was making and, you know, by making movies and making film. And mm-hmm. he wanted to put that back into like a community, a community center, you know, where, where, where he could also teach this to other young people, you know, like he, it was basically a way to give back to, you know, a tougher time in his life, you know, when he'd kind of been in that circumstance and didn't have as many opportunities and film really kind of rescued him. And so he wanted to provide that, you know, for, for other people as, you know, as a way to give back. And I was like, damn, like, I'm honestly just here because I don't know what else to do with my life. And it Mm. feels like a place where I might belong. And, you know, there's the hope maybe that one day I might make some money, but you know, that's not a reality right now, but really that's kind of all I was in it for. And I looked at this guy and I was like, man, dude, I want to be like that. Like, I want to have I want to have a dream like I want to have something like and so to me in a way that is kind of success you know and mm. or at least feeling like I'm getting close to that and now what like man four four years later five years later almost that I've been out of that program and you know Matt and I are still buddies but like I'm a bit older now and I, like all I would want to do for me success is like owning a building somewhere like a warehouse where I can have an acting studio in, you know, in the above, in the top floor, you know, have a black box theater and have Mm. different rooms for taping and have an acting school there in the top. And in the bottom, I'd have a kickboxing Muay Thai gym and there would be people, you know, screaming and crying upstairs and there would be people screaming and crying downstairs and there'd be actors and, actors and and martial artists and they'd be both training together and practicing together and it would just it would be a you know place you know that i would i was proud of that i could show up every day and and practice and train and get better at something and and be around other people that you know wanted the same and 
for me that that's success and 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 mm. for me at least like it feels for the first time in my life like this is a year where i might actually be able to you know make that a reality one day and so you know but for me at least joy is well i don't know well right now joy is just being back home in canada honestly mm. uh, like you know, london and the uk was just the time of my life and it was just incredible like getting to spend five months living in London, working on this movie that is just going to be like, I'm just so proud of what we made and what we shot it. But I'm, I'm just so grateful to be home right now, you know, and yeah. to kind of have a bit of control in my life, you know, which hasn't felt like it's been there for a few years. And it's just such an amazing feeling. I think that's joy to me, at least is having control. You know, I have control in my life now where, you know, I can go visit some of my trainers and, keep working like my stunt teachers and my fighting teachers and I can you know take the work that I did on boys in the boat you know getting in shape for that movie and you know I got in shape during SkyMed and before that and you know I don't think I would have booked SkyMed had I not put the work into getting my mental health in order and getting my mm. physical health in order which led to me becoming a better actor which led to me booking SkyMed and boys in the boat and it's just been a process of me kind of trying to keep feeding that monster you know whatever yeah. it is that's kind of got me got me on this path right now i want to keep him hungry you know because the alternative scares the shit out of me yeah uh, and that's you know everything that i kind of have been through before and i don't want to go back to that you know and i'm gonna fight you know to to keep this going you know this momentum going and you know it's been working you know uh, SkyMed was a real kind of felt like a weird manifestation of things that i'd been working for for a few years I wanted to do a role that was different that was a bit more macho and kind of actiony I wanted to you know swing a sword or ride a horse or shoot a laser pistol or whatever the hell it is you know what I mean I wanted to do something that like the order was honestly a dream come true like as a as a sci-fi fantasy geek like the order was the coolest thing ever you know and fans of that show I'm sure will agree with me like it was like Harry Potter on steroids, you know what I mean? It was like a funny, yeah, it was darker, like, it was like, like sexy, sexy oh Harry God. Potter. Yeah. And like the characters are even more flawed, you yeah. know? And, and, and there's I, just so much richness in this world that they created. Oh, the stories were just so cool. And there's so many different characters. And it was like a kind of, it was sort of paying homage to like 90s era horror. You know, and at the same time, it was making fun of itself. It was just so, I just loved, I just loved what we were. We were this well, weird like, hybrid show. De Dennis Heaton's brain, right? Like, is, I've, sure. I find his brain to be such a terrifying and fascinating place. <laughs> but as Hamish, so what were some of the things that you got to do on The Order that you had never had the chance to do before? You know, how did that experience change you? Well, that's cool. I mean, um, I think I was just so scared to like, I never worked as a series regular on a TV show. And that's kind of like, that's a that's sort of like a sort of an end goal. I think if you're, if you're trying to be a working actor, you know, you want to get recurring work like that and to get it on a, on a show like that. Like I remember at the time it felt like every actor in Vancouver had gone out for the order and I'm pretty sure they did, you know, mm. so that must have meant that there were some, you know, people and more than a few people I'd say in the States going out for it too, you know, like it was like 
everyone was just like, Hey, did you audition for the order? Hey, did you get that? Man, I hope I booked this character on the order. It was like, boom, it was this buzz in the city. And I remember getting the scripts for it and I was just so good. I was just so, it's like an imagination thing. You know what I mean? Like my imagination was sparked immediately when I read that audition for, for, and it wasn't even an audition for Hamish. That was so, what was so cool about that experience was that I auditioned for Jack and for I Jack. really, really wanted to be Jack, Yeah, you know, cause it was like, Oh my God, how cool. Like classic American hero, you know, he's like a young Harrison Ford kind of, you know, this, you know, it, amazing. Right. And so I really, really tried to bring my A game to, to that room. And I remember Dennis was in the room and so was, um, yeah, our executive producer. And, um, yeah, I really just tried to leave it all on the floor that day. And, they must have liked what they saw because I got an offer for this character called Hamish. And they're like, look, you don't have to audition, but they've got this character for you. It's not Jack, uh, but it's Hamish. And I was like, hell yes. Give me everything you've got <laughs> right away. What like?" And so uh, Dennis or whoever, the writing team sent me like a one page bio of the character of Hamish. And it was like, just so freaking cool. Like he was like, you know, they wanted this Errol Flynn kind of, sort of uh like sort of swashbuckling kind of spit in the face of danger sort of yeah but bit of a dick. tired he's a bit of yeah, a dick as well yeah. he's like the one and he's the leader <laughs> yeah. you know exactly a little bit exactly. more complex I, I mean i loved all the characters but it's a little bit like more complicated than jack in some ways you know like especially like as as a fan watching it took me a while to figure out the motivations of all you know of all of the werewolves you know <laughs> figuring out like what what are they all about right like jack sure. is like that was a pure revenge story you know that started him on his track so I mean, I can't think of better casting for Hamish. Like, I guess it's also as a fan of the show. I'm like, no, you're obviously Hamish. You're Hamish. Um, was there was like was there anything that showed up when you were given a script? You know, that came from you know um, the the Dennis and Shelley you know brain trust where you're like, what the fuck? Like, was there anything that showed up in a script that really surprised you? Like, for instance, were you really surprised about like the Hamish and Vera pairing? You know, or like did that just make sense for you? Um. It did make sense for me, honestly. I hadn't like thought of it, but what was cool and what I love about being on TV is that like the writer-actor uh, partnership that you develop over time, like because you're working on the same show for like five months, it's almost like working on a play together. But you're like writing, you're like creating the play as you go. You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like devised work. But obviously, I don't really do any of the writing of it but depending on how that relationship is on set and at work like you kind of just vibe off each other as a you know as an actor and as a writer like you like I get the scripts every like two weeks or three weeks as we're shooting and it's like I don't know what's going to happen next I'm excited to read episode five and six you know myself just as a as, as a fan as like a reader as, as a you know as, as part of the experience and then you know, it's like, okay, how am I going to act this? Like, what am I going to do here? And then the mm -hmm. writers get, don't know what you're going to do. So it's a cool sort of like, you know, we, I'm not sure what to expect. And they themselves have to put a lot of faith in us, you know, portraying these characters that they've created, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I remember this one funny, uh, uh, it, we were doing this scene where we throw Jack into the basement and we're trying to decide if we're going to murder him or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And we're all like pretty pretty tipsy or something and I remember going to Shelly and Dennis and I had this I was like I thought I was so smart I had this I was like oh I got the guys I got this great idea all right so for Hamish right like he probably 
because he's probably an alcoholic, we can probably go that far. He, you know, and he's a bartender, right? Like those people, one can handle their alcohol, but two, probably just like, I basically just like had this whole idea that Hamish was never as drunk as he put on. And it was kind of just a show to kind of, you know, have control and stuff like that. And they were like, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Great. Thomas. That's not the character we're writing. Uh, so he's an actual alcoholic. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was good because honestly, it's a good part of, you know, it's a good lesson and it's a, a lesson that like, I think young actors and young writers have to, have to know and it's that you know you have to be able to bring ideas of your own to the table because you're responsible for this part of the movie or the tv show like i'm responsible for for hamish and what i bring to the table when it's go time you know likewise i kind of have to be an expert on the character yeah and at the same time you are working with other creatives and sometimes your idea just doesn't work and you cannot get too precious about that you have to be able to let go of things still do the jobs, make it work. Sometimes you get, you know, notes or whatever stuff on TV or in film that you don't agree with. And you have to find a way to, you know, appease your director, you know, like serve the story, serve the script and the writer, and also do some work that you yourself, you know, it's a tricky one sometimes. It's a tricky one sometimes, but it's also part of the fun of collaborating and and working with someone on stuff. Like, you know, I learned stuff, working with George, I learned stuff working with all the directors on SkyMed. What's great about TV is that, you know, you get a new director every two episodes, you know, and, and they work differently and, and you get to have the experience of their knowledge and, you know, and what they like and don't like. And it, it's just, it's a, it's a really hard industry, I think, because it, we kind of gatekeep people from getting into it. It's like a catch 22, you know, it's like, I can't hire you if you've never worked before, but if you've never worked before, I'm never going to hire you. You know, like, mm. it's like, how do you get in? You know, how do you just get into the thing? And, you know, back in the day or whatever, it was, you know, you, you would learn acting from being on the set and having the veteran actors tell you what to do and what not to do. And this is how you should do it. Don't do it so much like this. Hey, it should really be a bit like blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of the experience of working with George. You know, it was like, man, like, this is crazy. Like, you've got so much time and experience of working behind the camera and in front of the camera. Man, you make it all seem so easy. And and, and there, I think there is something to be said of, like, you know, just different styles, different styles. And, and, and in a way, I think actors need to be, like, fighters and martial artists. Like, we need to practice different styles. We need yeah. to, like, we need to fill our toolbox full of different, tools you know and you know in the acting world that's you know you practice a little meisner you do a little you know michael chekhov you do a little shakespeare you, you know you you fit you pick what works for you and you pick what doesn't and you know you get rid of the stuff that doesn't really you know yeah. i like you know bruce lee said that you know the best style is having no style and what you really want to do is to take the best techniques from every martial art and mm-hmm. just get rid of what doesn't work for you because there's so much to learn and so little time out there like and that I think personally is why I'm grateful for having gone through like a university theater program where I really got to kind of fall in love with the academic part of it mm. you know it's not all there is to acting but you do have to do your homework and I think good actors really really great actors can do their homework and 
make it just look like they haven't even prepared a thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. like they just like Philip Seymour Hoffman or something. And, and they're Whoa. just so all they do is they, they just take a breath, you know, and they're immediately just there and they're alive and it's just, whoa. But I think it comes from just honestly, you know, again, I go back to Bruce Lee, but, you know, he said, I don't fear the guy who's, you know, knows 10,000 kicks, but, uh, you know, the guy who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And mm. to me, I think acting is something that you can practice. You know, it goes back to, you know, talking about the imagination, like you can practice that you can develop that and with discipline you can make that stronger and you can use that in your film acting and it will really really benefit you because if you like during this SkyMed audition <clears throat> like I I believed that I was sitting in the cockpit of an airplane hmm. and I made the people looking through the camera at me believe that I was sitting in an airplane and the way you do that is by imagining it and you yeah. can develop that you can practice that and you can make it strong enough that you can do it in a setting where you might feel nervous like for instance where you're auditioning for a job on tv and you just mm -hmm. want to play it safe or you know there's a lot of there's so many obstacles that get in the way of you doing your best work as an actor it's the most important thing that i realize now is relaxation and practicing mm -hmm. relaxation and one of the best ways to develop groundedness and relaxation is practicing martial arts mm -hmm. and so that has sort of led to a series of massive breakthroughs i think in my own craft and it's made me confident in what I'm talking about because it's led to successes like Sky Met and Boys in the Boat. Yeah. And I wouldn't have booked those. You know, those were the jobs of my lifetime so far, you know. Um, so far, still very early. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know. Okay, I want to talk about Sky Med. I want to talk about Novak. I guess I never really thought about the fact that there would be an, the, an, necessity for an air ambulance service but of course there would be i didn't know anything about flying paramedics what did you know about this entire world you know before you you ventured forth into the the sky med world and what were some, some of the things some of the surprises or revelations you know about what it is that these pilots and medics and nurses go through saving lives in the north I mean, I'll be honest, I knew painfully little about it. Um, you know, even being a Canadian, I, I mean, I had no idea just of the landscape that we were dealing with. And like you look mm -hmm. at a map of Manitoba and Manitoba, for those of you that don't know, is on the the eastern edge of the, the, the plains, basically the great Canadian prairies. You know, it's a lot, it's very windy. It's very flat. It can get extremely cold and very very hot and so that's only in the south where there's like cities and stuff you know but the further you go up north if you're to look at a map of manitoba like there's there's one road sort of and, and after a while it just kind of yeah there's just i mean you look at it and there's just thousands and thousands of lakes and it's just it's inaccessible really other mm -hmm. than you know little gravel strips for planes to land on and, and it's really like a lifeline it's the lifeblood honestly of, of of different communities and like not just for medical stuff but you know supplies and um it, it's it's an incredible incredible story and that i think is what kind of drew me to the idea in the first place like mm. there's just not that much adventure i think out there in the modern world these days you know like and and it's almost like we were showing a sort of a new frontier to people you know that mm. you know it's a bit more of like a a, a savage environment a more you know you know more of a wild kind of 
workplace, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's like a medical drama. It's like, it's a, it's a high adrenaline, like kissy medical drama about, you know, people falling in love and with the wrong person and all the good stuff, you know, all the stuff that people want to see, you know? And, yeah. And it was cool. It's another hybrid show and it's cool to be a part of something that, you know, it's like a new sort of new beast, you know? Yeah. I mean, they've been, you know, we're, we're kind of like, a whole bunch of different shows if you were to compare it you know compare us i suppose yeah um, and what I, what I love too are the characterizations as well you know like the all, all like the, every character is so it's unexpected you know like even your character brings you know has these like polish parents who would rather he be a neurosurgeon you know and he and like he's just, like there's like some classes stuff as well like you know like he resents the fact that you know one of the characters is from forest hill and like has a lot of money um and yeah. and then there's all of the uh the relationship stuff the and also the authentic diversity and inclusion in nothing seems forced and yet you have like this cast that is you know wildly diverse and uh and i i just it honestly it was like a gift to discover this show and i like a lot of people i sat down to watch one episode and then like eight hours went by and i had watched yeah. all yeah. nine of them um can, can we talk specifically about your character about novak what sure. what you enjoy about him you know where where he ends and you begin you know what are some of the things that you got to do with this character that you might not have had the chance to do before well that's really interesting i mean uh, i think early on in sky med we were actually talking about this a little bit and i remember if i can recall at all i think i said actually that i don't really know I'm trying to recall exactly what I said, but it's, it's no use. So basically what I was trying to get at was that I, I only really recognized the th- ways in which I was different from this guy hmm. You know, at, at the very beginning of the show. When we were just getting into it, we had about two weeks where we kind of just got to become friends. We, there wasn't any filming. There was a bit of training, some, you know, uh, there was some like vehicle stuff, some airplane stuff that we were doing, but we were mostly just living together and getting to know the writing team and, meeting the pilots who would be there consulting with us and, you know, kind of just get our heads wrapped around, you know, what a beast of a show this was going to be. And um, I I just really remember like not knowing what of myself I was going to bring to this guy or could bring to this guy. I just Hmm. was recognizing all the ways in which him and I were different. And, you know, I think that was sort of my way into the guy. And, Hmm. you know, I just kind of imagined like this, you know, well, I mean, he, I kind of imagine like my grandparents' story running away from Latvia, not running away, but escaping Latvia, I should say, um, during the Second World War, mm. um, shortly before the Russians arrived. And um, they came to Canada, you know, similar to how Novak's parents came to Canada. And, you know, they, you know, I, I, I can understand, I think, the desire for security and the desire for you know your family to do well especially when you know you have to uproot and start all over from scratch and Novak clearly just yeah it's it's a tough one like I think people have to have a reason to do things you know it, it the same can be applied to like being a fighter or being an actor or being a pilot like you know I talked to Jamie who was you know really one of the inspirations behind you know the real life well he was the inspiration behind the characters, you know, a lot of them. And, and 
you know, the, this team, you know, they were with us, you know, pretty much every step of the way. It was amazing to kind of be telling their stories and, and, and learning from them at the same time. And I, I just kind of, I just thought about like how soft and comfortable I am <laughs> in my daily life. You know, I'm like a mm. West coast guy, you know, I've never known, you know, war or poverty or starvation or anything like that. You know, like sure, you know, I've not had a lot of money and stuff, but you know, my parents always told me that I could do whatever I want as long as I promise not to be an architect, you know, cause that was what they did. And that I, was what they did. Right. That's both yeah. of their, yeah. <laughs> So, really that's yeah. what they said to you that yeah, is that's, yeah no 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 that's no amazing joke. yeah, yeah. it's it's great I love that and so like I, I'm so incredibly fortunate in that regard you know to not have to have had adversity kind of already you know packed onto you know pursuing something that you know demands a lot of sacrifice and in the same way I think you know Novak sacrificing some things to be doing this you know he's running away he's he's fighting against this expectation and he's trying to carve out an identity for himself and he's trying to find a place where he feels like he belongs and he can be of use to somebody and and you know he can be needed by someone and you know we see like how fiercely protective and loyal he is of, of, of people he does you know love and, and allows to be loved by and that was kind of cool. I really love the idea of this dude who's just kind of tough and kind of a solitary guy. I mean, I could connect, I could relate with him, I think in that regard, because I, I am also kind of okay being on my own sometimes. It's a weird one. Like sometimes I just, I need to be just surrounded by people in a party and just loud voices and laughter. And, and other times I, I just, I don't need any of that at all. I just need to be completely alone and I'm okay like that. And sort of, you know, I, I tried to kind of just get into his, his, his mind in a, a, a little bit. Um, similarly to how I kind of approached Hamish, I think, you know, mm. I, they're similar in the sense that I think they're, they're guardians, you know, yeah, they, they, they have a lot on be. their shoulders for sure. Yeah, they do. They, yeah, they bear a lot of weight, um, you know, for the training part, at least for the physical training, I always imagine Novak, like, um, and it was something that my partner said that really touched me about a strong man. We were, uh, we're, we're both, you know, pretty big gym rats, my, my girl and I, and, um, she said something about this strong man who was lifting weights basically so that he could lift a car off of somebody that he loved if he had to in an emergency, um, if someone's life was in danger. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Holy shit. And I kind of imagined Novak in a similar way, like he'd, wouldn't be in the gym trying to get big so he could look good. He would be in there doing practical calisthenic body weight training, you know, with 50 mm. pounds of gear on his back, you know, he'd be doing push-ups under the wing of a plane or, you know, he'd be doing, you know, just compound exercises to make himself stronger. If mm. he needs to, you know, lift the wing of a plane off somebody, you know, like I think he really recognizes the stakes in what's going on, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why he really is at odds with Bodhi. You know, my coach and I, we do a lot of like animal, I guess I wouldn't call it work, but we talk a lot about animals, I guess, when we're talking about characters. And I, I like, you know, I like, I like to use animals to, you know, as kind of a way into the character in a weird way. I did it with Hamish. It was easy because he was a werewolf. Yeah, so he's it's literally not hard to, yeah it's not hard to find like an animal to compare that to you know you look yeah. at you know just look at any dog you know what i mean you can kind of have an idea of in a weird way 
you know, it gave me insight into how to be Hamish. And, you know, I imagined Novak similarly kind of like this lone wolf kind of, you know, bit scrawny, you know, but he doesn't really want to sit down by the fire with the rest of the animals. He kind of wants to just like kind of prowl in the, just around the ring, you know, just outside the, and he's comfortable there, you know, he's, but Hmm. it was cool. It was cool. It was cool playing a character that I sort of felt like I knew thanks to Hamish. Yeah. And it also was exactly what I was hoping for because it was a chance to sort of be seen in a different light in the TV and film industry, which is, I think something that we all really hope for, you know, not all of us get the opportunity to do. Sometimes you're just kind of seen as one thing and that's it. That's your career. And so for me, I felt so, uh, yeah, I felt lucky. uh, And it felt kind of like something that I'd in a weird way been manifesting for many months, you know, with all the physical training and the martial arts I was taking it, I felt like I could take that discipline and use that as a way to get into the head of this character that I was going to play. And it really helped. It really did. Yeah. Now you are not on social media as far as I can tell, right? You're not, at you least not on Twitter. Instagram. You're on the, no, you're on Instagram. I, I stay away from Twitter. That's a hellscape. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I will say I did a little bit of, um, of searching for commentary about Novak and I got to read you some of what it's all good stuff because people feel, there are a lot of people who feel very passionately about this character. Um, so uh, permission to read some of this? Yeah, yeah, okay. I haven't, I, I'd love to hear some of it. So these are from people who are tweeting while they're watching, so. Okay. <laughs> Novak is this better- gonna be like, Is this gonna be like mean tweets on camera? No, not at all, or- not at all, not at all. <laughs> no, okay, so Novak better <laughs> snatch his man up. And then another, about damn time, Novak, and another. OMG, Novak and Tristan have me crying, my babies. And another, coup de cœur confirmé pour la série SkyMed, par contre, j'espère voir saison 2 et que ça parle plus de Novak car j'adore le perso. Hey, merci, merci. <laughs> what does this fit? So people are really feeling, they're feeling Novak yeah, yeah. and they're really feeling they are shipping in the parlance of the youth, shipping <laughs> you know, Tristan and Novak. I think more so than people shipped Hamish and Vera because that partnership made a lot of people angry you know oh, some did saw it? it as a betrayal hey, of who betray- you're betraying the werewolves by going oh, and going and Vera. yeah whatever so what but the fact like, that people are like feeling- they ever did anything for me <laughs> what what is this kind of the fact that people feel so passionately about tristan and novak you know about seeing this like beautiful you know queer story you know unfold on screen what does it mean to you you know, that it's that the relationship is having this kind of yeah. kind cool. that's I mean, resonating that's cool with question. the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, that's so sweet. I haven't really read much, if anything, of that. And that's that's nice to hear because and I'm 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 happy because hell yeah, people should love it because it's it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful romance and it, it, they're really cute together, I think. Um <laughs> I was not I mean, for me, you know, it was uh I'm just so grateful that it was Keon because Mm. honestly, like he was just so he's just, he's just a fantastic guy. He's a great dude. You know, he's got an awesome sense of humor. I really respect everything that he brought to that character. He did some incredibly beautiful work that I got to just kind of be there as a scene partner, just like, man, whoa. Like he just let the, he just let the floodgates open, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And for me, it was like, whoa, like I was even just like, 
whoa, where is this? Uh, you know, like for, uh, it was, I, I can't even speak because just like the recollection of it is just kind of kind of beyond words. But yeah. I was just so proud to be a part of that, you know, and support, you know, my fellow actor when he's doing this really just kind of laying his heart on there in front of the camera. And it's like, damn, this is scary work for us both. And, yeah. you know, um, like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But honestly, like, I think uh, <laughs> for me, at least it was kind of cool because like it just it's like I, I'm really grateful to like acting you know I don't think necessarily acting is something that is like there to teach you how to be a better person and it's not therapy definitely like <laughs> but mm. I think acting can really just give you so many like you you just see so many different stories and voices and ways of viewing the world and you realize that like they're all kind of the same in mm. a way like for me, at least, all I needed to do was just find something about my fellow actor, Keon, that, you know, I could fall in love with, you know, and that, that, that Novak could fall in love with, you know, and you, anyone can do that to anyone. You just, you know, you, you, all you need to do is look at a person and maybe it's something about their eyes or, you know, something in their face or their hair or just something even more kind of ambiguous and and it's not hard to find something beautiful in everybody and that really was just I was like oh my god this is so easy you know in a weird way this isn't Mm -hmm. something that I don't know how to do it's like I know exactly what this is it's just falling in love with someone and obviously like Novak himself has obstacles and he is his own obstacle in a lot of ways which I think Mm -hmm. presents challenges sometimes as an actor it's like you got to sort of have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake so to speak because you know, he's a guy that mm, I think he has a tremendous capacity for love, but I don't think he really, I think he's afraid to show love and he's afraid to allow love into his, into his life, you know? And I think he takes a really big risk, you know, uh, sharing his feelings, you know? Um, and he's very, very quick to shut those gates if ever it feels like, and at the same time, he's a complicated dude because he doesn't like to accept help from anybody. And he doesn't oh, like yeah. to acknowledge that, you know, it's even remotely possible that he could be wrong, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. He's I, I definitely identify with that. I have to say the other <laughs> thing that I really appreciated about about your work as Novak and about the way the character was written was the um, the unwillingness to go and see a counselor you know as as somebody who lives with ptsd um has had you know had to realize and it took me a long journey to be like oh i'm not ever going to be able to heal the things that are broken inside of me unless i actually go and get help you know i can't just like ignore it these things are always going to be present you know so it 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 means a lot to see uh that unwillingness the reluctance to go and get help for PTSD um, play out on screen, you know, because it's so, it's just so real. I mean, that is a, it's not like you're like, I have PTSD and now I'm going to go get help. That's often not the way, not the way that it is at all. What did it mean to you, especially after, I mean, you were talking about your own mental health struggles and journey, which frankly, most people have mental health, you know, struggles. What did it mean to you to be able to kind of sink your teeth into that, especially after everything that you've been through in the last few years? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think for me, at least, it goes kind of back to 
the ways in which I think I feel different from this character. And that's mm-hmm. that I personally don't really have that much of a problem telling people that I have a problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I mean, it, like I'm, I'm a bit of a private person, I think. And, and I do like to, hmm, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quicker to tell a complete stranger of all my troubles than I am to tell like a family member, you know, mm. and, and in a weird way, I'm, I can confess all my sins and all my emotional baggage or whatever it is, you know, whatever we're talking about, like, like I can just dump that on a perfect stranger or a therapist, whatever, you know, like podcaster. I get it. Podcaster. I get it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm like a perfect, <laughs> like the perfect prey or something. <laughs> no, um, I hope you don't uh, feel that so way. No, not at all. Not at all. No, this is completely, like I said, like this is completely like, it's what I love to do and I love to interact with people and, yeah. you know, people like give me life. I think honestly too much yeah. time on my own, I think is really not good for me, my mental health and stuff. And, you know, like, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird one. It's, it's a tricky balance. I think that we need people, you know, and like Novak needs people, you know, we yeah. all need to feel loved by something and, and needed and wanted. And, you know, I, man, i like, Big that's a stuff. lot to unpack there, I think. Yeah, big stuff. Really interesting questions. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm struggling a little bit to find some through line here, but <laughs> there's just so much to talk about. I think for me, at least. There is. And you're going to come back and we're going to talk some more. Maybe yeah. when when uh, the the film comes out, we could talk m- more about jo- You call him George, Mr. Clooney, sir? Uh, <laughs> Subcloons? Uh, like- <laughs> uh, the emperor, usually. Yeah. His excellency. <laughs> Well then, let's end with um. Let's end with WTF, the parlance of the youth. Okay. Uh, what the fuck? So, when in your career do you have those? <laughs> what the fuck? This is actually my life moments. You know, do those happen for you? And if so, when do those happen? Oh shit! I mean, oh man, this is gonna sound so like ungrateful, but. There were so many times on the boys in the boat where I was just like, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, oh my God. Like, it was just like, just being like wet and cold and exhausted and like having your ass on this like tiny little fucking wooden seat, like all (laughs) fucking day. And you're just in like a tank top and a pair of cotton shorts and like knee high. Old timey tank top. Old timey. Old timey short shorts and a tank top like and some knee high double pair woolen socks. And you're just always wet and always just being like blown by the wind. And when you're not being like just like frozen to death in your underpants out on the water, you're like being cooked like a fucking potato for like 10 hours a day. And I was just like, what the fuck is even happening right now sometimes? <laughs> and you always knew that something important was going on, you know, like there's a camera with a boat on it and they're on their way or something's going on. But you never have a clue because mm. you, you're just out there on this little freaking tiny piece of wood floating around until someone like screams, go. And then you're being chased at like, you know, <laughs> 30 knots by speedboats with cameras on them and Clooney screaming at you. It's like, <laughs> that was probably the biggest WTF moment of my year, wow. I'd say. 
That's a Honestly, WTAF. Though, like, what the actual yeah. fuck? Wow. Yeah, it was great. But you know what? Like, I didn't sign up for a walk in the park, and it was what I'd asked for, and it was what I'd prepared myself for, and it was worth every second of uncomfortable, uncomfortableness. You know, just to just to work on that, it was a dream come true. You know, amazing. Well, I cannot wait. So, so do we have? Do we have a release date or a release month yet? Uh, or I don't really like... have a release date for you. I think there was a hope that it would even be out this year, but there was some. It doesn't sound like that's the reality. So we can probably expect it sometime during the summer, I imagine, or later next year. Okay. Well, watch. Um, so where? So you say you're on the socials. Where can people find you and follow? Yeah, you? I mean, you can follow me on Instagram if you want to. Um, yeah. It's just Thomas Elms. Um, other than that, I'm kind of flying under the radar a bit these days. I'm not quite sure. Flying under the radar? So you do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I tried to sneak that one by, but yeah. obviously that's not going to work. No. So. When I had Praneet on a few days ago, he, we were talking about oh, soaring. Oh, he's the worst. You know, so he's the absolute worst. Oh, he's worst. the worst. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you should tell him I said that next time he comes on. Like, he's just the worst. He's been on four times. Like, he'll just come Nazi. on all the time. Yeah. We're, 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 we're big fans. He's oh, like my little brother, man. right? I adore that. I adore that guy. But yeah, he soars and you're flying. Did he tell you about there. did he tell you about all the nicknames that we had for him on SkyMed? No, tell us. What? He had like we kept giving him rapper names and he had like 20 of them. It was wicked. It was like uh Pran Daddy Flex, uh Banana Bread, Cranberry Muffin. Have you seen the Muffin Man? Fran Daddy's here. What? Um yeah. Fran uh, Daddy. I know that when I texted him. Uh, on my phone, it corrects him to his name either to parakeet or to orangery. <laughs> hmm. Apparently, a, wow, that is uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, do you have a rapper name? Uh oh my god! You know what? I wish I'd written it down, but I remember we were just pissing ourselves one day in the lunchroom on Boys in the Boat. It was me and our trainer Barry, and you know the other eight guys and some of our doubles and. We were putting in our names into the internet rap name generator and they were coming out with some absolute bangers, just absolute heaters. Um, internet rap so, name generator? Yeah, so I just recommend everyone take a few minutes after this interview and go put your name into the internet rap name generator and just hit that a few times. And I'll know, put a link in later. the footnotes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, please tweet please tweet your names uh, at me. You can't tweet them at Thomas because he's not on the Twitter, but maybe on an Instagram post. I don't know. Hey, Thomas, yeah, like you're delightful. You Thank knew. you so much for being here Thank today. Um, make Thank sure you, you uh, make sure you call Dennis and have that dinner and yep. um, Instagram out a photo because we all want to we all want to see. We all want to see. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Right. That's a right. great. That's a great excuse to have a dinner with the with the legend. Yeah, and the. <laughs> we love you, Dennis. I'm sorry I completely massacred your voice, but you know, no one, <laughs> no one can do Dennis Heaton the way that you do Dennis Heaton. Dennis Heaton. All right, listeners, like, subscribe, leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and we can keep having. Mm rad conversations like the one yeah. that we had today that was a pretty rad conversation find us yeah, at www.yvrscreenscene.com follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvr screen scene or at sabrina yvr screen scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina rani Furminger. i am the only one to blame and it's edited by simon Furminger. Special thanks. Here come all the other Fermingers. Special thanks to Mariana Fermingers for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Fermingers for technical support, and to Dane, not Fermingers, Devil A. Poor, poor, not Fermingers, Dane. He's responsible for the original music. Live Air Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. 
join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.